Welcome to our Saturday simulcast. I'm joined by the, I don't know, the illustrious or whatever term you want to use for Tom Deanhart, uh, experienced, uh, seasoned. <laughs> he is coming to the end of his old, old no, not old, availability, because he's going to be in practice for the last time. He was in practice Friday for the last time uh, before the Boilermakers take the field September 1st against Penn State. Uh, we'll talk about that today and also a little bit of a breakdown of just kind of where, where he thinks the Boilermakers are after eight practices uh, to date, right? And I want to thank our sponsor, the Union Club Hotel and uh, the uh, Boiler Up Bar. Tom and I will be uh, putting on a show of all of, of great uh, magnitude on the on August 31st. It, it'll be Wednesday night uh, live instead of Thursday night live, Facebook live at the Purdue Union uh, Boiler Up Bar. So we'll have some fun with that as well. And looking forward to getting this season started. And we have made the decree, too, that uh, uh, there'll be no NIL discussion on this one. We're going to talk just football, and that's a good thing because uh, there's a lot to be talking about Purdue. And you've been through eight practices, Tom. Is there an overriding tone, uh, you know, now that you've kind of – it seems to me to be that there has outside of – two or three key injuries, two key injuries, especially, is there really a whole lot of a, a theme so far to produce uh, practice, uh, eight practices to date? I don't know if there's a theme. Um, like you said, if you were to write a book or, or have a headline, uh, it would be the two injuries that were sustained this last week. Sure. Season, season ending injuries to Garrett Miller and Demar J. Lewis, more on Demar J. Lewis in a minute, but yeah, otherwise, um, no, I mean, uh, they'll have their first scrimmage Saturday, and uh, things start getting real at that point. Um, you know, overall, it just seems to be so far so good. Um, uh, as far as the eyeball test down, uh, Jeff Rom continues to remake the roster and more bigger bodies, especially in the trenches. I, th I think maybe that's one observation, one takeaway is, the depth on the defensive line in particular and the offensive line depth isn't quite there yet, but I think there are more, more guys they're, they're comfortable playing now. And I think there's eight linemen they're comfortable playing and uh, talking to some of the linemen today and the line coach, Dale Williams, they seem, they seem, you know, cautiously optimistic could be one of their better lines in the last couple of years uh, with a little bit more experience and hopefully Al, they hope to be a little bit more physical and able to, to get that push in short yardage situations, especially in the red zone. You know, you talked about, I think, on the radio show this week, Golden Black Radio, that uh, typically is on Mondays, was on Wednesday this week. But the fact that uh, the comfort level at eight guys uh, at that position, any change to that? Does he still think uh, uh, that rotate, not necessarily the rotation, but guys that he's comfortable putting on the field, uh, that number still kind of hold true? Yeah, um, I think that's still the case. You know, left to right, I think your starters are tentatively uh, Eric Miller and Spencer Holstage on the left side with Gus Hartwig snapping. I think you'll see the redshirt freshman Marcus Bow at right guard, Cam Craig at, at right tackle. All those guys, but Bow have started games at Purdue. And Alan Marcus Bow is a guy they're very optimistic and very high on. I think he's their most athletic lineman, about 6'3", 6'4", was a triple basketball player in high school. And I think off the bench, Allen, they also like another redshirt freshman, 
Mahim Musa. Yeah. And the two transfers, Sione Finau from Florida International, who's a guard, number 72, a strong guy who's not very tall, but he started games. And then the offensive tackle from Kent State, Daniel Johnson, started games at Kent State in the MAC. A big guy, Alan. Uh, he looks the part. So those are, I think, your top eight linemen. Uh, after that, some guys have played Allen, Jared Bozinski, you know, Josh Kaltenberger, um, you know, players of that ilk. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, th those eight I mentioned off the top are, are, are probably the, the top eight going into the year. You now you talk about the two injuries, and of course, in camps that that almost always happens. I can't think of many camps where you haven't had. I really can't think of all that many camps. Uh, I can't name them all, but where you haven't had one season-ending injury. Now Purdue's had, it appears, two. Though uh, I don't know, is Garrett Miller definitely out for the year? But they're both guys are backups. But these, but not, but these are guys that are really important guys to this uh, to this football team. And Purdue's going to have to do the proverbial next man up to 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 replace them both. Yeah, here's the deal. Um, yes, Garrett Miller. His injury was season-ending, Allen. It happened uh, on Tuesday. Yeah. No, it, happened on, it happened on Monday. It happened on Monday. Sort of a non-contact injury, just running skelly. Hurt his knee. And Garrett Miller was slated to be the number two tight end. He was going to play a lot in, in tandem with Payne Durham. They were going to form a pretty nice tandem, I think. Mm -hmm. And honestly, Allen, Garrett Miller, even though he wasn't the number one, probably is the most – has the most NFL potential of the Purdue tight ends. He's very athletic, 6'5", 250, can run, good athlete, and can catch the ball. We've seen glimpses to this point. He's a redshirt junior. I think this was a year that may have been sort of a breakout for him, but obviously that's over with. It's not going to happen. So next man up is Paul Ferry, the converted quarterback. And I tell you what, Alan, he's, he's impressive. He played in six games last year. He started one, caught a touchdown pass against Indiana. Good athlete. He looks good. His body looks good. He's really transformed his body from being a quarterback to a tight end. I think he's still working on being more physical as far as a blocking goes. But don't sleep on Paul Perry. I think they can make it work with Paul Perry catching the ball. Sometimes in practice, they'll split him all the way out wide toward the, toward the sideline. So he can run and he can catch. He's smart. I give him a lot of credit. You know what, Alan? If that was me, I don't know if I would have stuck it out. Yeah. I came here to be a quarterback and and they tell me that I don't have a future there. Do I want to play tight end? I don't know what I would have done, but Paul Perry, man, that says a lot about him as a person, doesn't it? Yeah. And One of the beauties of, of doing this uh, simulcast is I'm doing it on my back porch, and we have a little lawn mowing going on in the background. But you're, you, you saw, I can hear you, and you can hear me, but I just, just <laughs> that's part. It's not me. I need to cut the grass, too, but I'm not going to do that till tomorrow, I don't think. Um, you know, you know, look at that and, and you've talked to, you know, you've been to a lot of seen followed Purdue for a long time, but also have seen uh, injuries in camp and, and Lewis also in a situation where a guy that uh, going to add depth to that position going to play uh, certainly doesn't help that uh, even on the defensive line might be as deep as any Purdue defensive line in a long time. I mean, that's a, that's a, that seems to be a fact, but this is another guy that you're going to have to be able to kind of pull, uh, close ranks to get what you'd want done at that position. Yeah. You know, uh, when that injury occurred on Thursday, um, the information I got post-practice was Margie Lewis was 
probably out for the year, ankle injury. Well, I've been able to firm up today that he will be out for the year. He suffered a broken left ankle. He's not going to be back. His season's over. And it was described to me that Lewis was kind of considered the, uh, the quote, fifth starter on the defensive line, if you will. Right. Could play nose tackle, could play the three technique, very valuable person on the interior of the defense. Red search sophomore who came to Purdue from Indiana last year was his first year in West Lafayette, a kid they liked. Yeah. So now they got to they got to make do without him. And they're and like you said, Alan, they've, they've got some depth at that spot. I think um, they know the starters, of course, Lawrence Johnson at nose and Branson Dean at the three technique. And by the way, Alan Branson Dean's been out. He hurt. He strained his left leg yesterday. Right. Came back to practice with ice and did not work out today. He should be okay though. And then after after your two starters, I think at the three technique, you're looking at Prince Boyd and Suleiman Paka, uh, with maybe Greg Hudgens helping out and JP Dieter. At the nose, I think, you know, behind Lawrence Johnson, you could look at Cole Brevard, the kid from Penn State. Huge body, classic nose tackle body. And then I think, you know, our our, our buddy Mo Monaday. Yeah. I think you're gonna see Mo play quite a bit on the nose and maybe DJ Washington too. So that's that's sort of sort of the next men up on the inside for, for Purdue's D line. Certainly losing Lewis uh, was a blow, but I you know, like you said, it happens. It's part of football and uh coaches can't bat an eye and, and they gotta deal with the adversity and move on. I ask you a kind of a theoretical question because you've got again covered it and we've gone from the days of uh, the 80s and 90s where there was two-a-day practice and, you, and you'd have what we're, we're through what eight practices and, yeah. and 20 years ago you'd be through 16 practices darn near by this time just the change in the rules and the fact that they've made it more you know maybe less contact uh, uh, at the end when you get to that first game and you've watched a ton of football do you have a better product at the end do you think this is actually I know we know it's should be helpful to the health of these guys. And that's a good thing. We're not going back to the two a days world, but uh, do you think teams are as ready uh, based on uh, uh, the differences of what you saw maybe 15, 20 years ago and what you see now? I mean, I think so. Like you said, uh, a lot of that move was done. Uh, move away from two days was done with, with the health and safety of the players in mind. Um, you know, for a long time in the eighties, for sure. Maybe the 90s to a degree, summer camp was used to get people in shape, Alan. And yeah, these guys are in shape already from the opening whistle of practice number one. So um, they're ready to start wearing at that point. And, um, and you know what, too, Alan, the rules have changed to the point where now players can actually get instruction from coaches in the offseason on the right. field. Right. So my point is, um, it's not like their learning and coaching ever really stops from the end of what Thanksgiving until the start of training camp. So um, I don't know if it's really impacted the preparation of these teams, honestly. Maybe uh, teams don't practice tackling quite as much for a lot of different reasons. Number one, to avoid injury. But uh, so maybe you see some sloppy tackling early on, which can prove to be costly. But otherwise, I, I guess I don't I don't like to think that the new training camp regimen has really impacted the, the quality of the game, especially right out of the gate in September. Yeah, I think your point is well taken about the fact these guys have uh, it used to be 
like I said, they used to be the first two weeks of camp where it was, it was almost attrition to get, and they get guys in shape and the ones that didn't belong, you, you, you know, you'd almost ship them out. So yeah, that, uh, that makes total sense. And, uh, and I think that, uh, that with all the, all the, uh, food and all the nutrition parts of things all this world's a whole different world and uh, we we see that as well all right look at uh, we we've talked uh, and obviously a guy that we seem to talk about every week and probably be talking about every week for the rest of the years Aiden O'Connell mm -hmm. uh he's a guy that has a lot on his shoulders we've talked the length about just uh, what what his summer has been like but uh your impressions about him in camp and also just their confidence in him at that position and maybe where he could take Purdue from, uh, from, uh, uh, having it go up the ladder, so to speak in the, in the West division. Oh, they've got a lot of confidence in him. Uh, Jeff Romick started to express that when we were in Indianapolis for media day last month. I mean, why not? The guy's a sixth year senior. He'll turn 24 years old on the night of Purdue's opener against Penn State on September 1st. He's mature, just got married, um, just a good guy, and he's a leader. Yeah. He's, he's the kind of leader you want. Sets a good example on a lot of different levels, and he seems to be well-liked. So you have all those sort of intangibles, and you couple those with the skill set that we really got a glimpse of. We started to get a glimpse of the last couple of years, got a, a real full scope of that skill set. Of course, when he took over the number one job from Jack Plummer after the first four games of last year. And boy, what a run for Aiden O'Connell, right? Yeah. Um, the numbers he put up for a guy who didn't start the first four games were stupefying. Nine win season. I mean, everybody knows the resume from last year for the team. It's very impressive. Aiden O'Connell, Allen, that decision to go with him as a starter is really what saved the season. Because if you remember, that defense was playing pretty well. Yeah. Played, played well all year, honestly. It was the offense that was lagging early on. Remember they had that run where they only scored 13 points in like three games in a row? Man. Just real sluggish. And uh, and again, the, the move to O'Connell energized the offense. Al. He's a guy I think they like because he was willing to take chances. Yeah. Wait for guys to get open. And he's going to throw some interceptions. We know that. But he's going to push the ball downfield and try to make plays downfield. And I think Jack Plummer could be a little bit hesitant. And, and uh, but again, Aiden O'Connell's got his, his problems. Number one being that his athletic ability, which I think can be a little overblown. But overall, boy, the way he throws the football, Allen, Brian Brom said he's the most accurate quarterback he's ever worked with. Um, this is a guy, every bit of six foot three, and uh, won a lot of games, been in the cauldron of big time competition. He's proven he can do it. I can't think of a better situation for Purdue. You know, you look at, uh, and yet, you know, he has, he did throw two interceptions, what in the, uh, in the uh, bowl game, but that snapped a streak of, I, I, so we think doing the research, it was the great, the longest streak without throwing an interception in Purdue history. So yeah, yeah he's done, he's shown that he can do it. Do you buy though, as you look into the season, if you're a defensive coordinator for Penn state or Florida Atlantic or whoever that might be out there, what, uh, is there a did he is there any chance he snuck up on some people last year? Not, and that may be a silly thing to say because he played he did play in, in the previous seasons as well. But 
you know, his level guy, he got to point. He's, I guess my point is he's not going to sneak up on people this year and know there isn't David Bell, the produce produce receiving core. We've talked about that to the nth degree, but uh, what factor does that play? Does he have to raise his game a level to, to be at the same level that he was last year, which was from a number standpoint uh, off the charts the last few weeks of the season? Yeah. You always have to evolve, don't you, Alan? And, um, and he's got to continue to evolve and, I think you raised some good points, and, and the biggest being, you know, can Aiden O'Connell <clears throat> continue to thrive without a seemingly elite wide receiver on the roster, right? David Bell's gone uh, off to the NFL a year early, third-round pick of the Browns. Of course, Milton Wright, an academic casualty. He was going to be the heir apparent there. Um, so, again, can, can, um, can Aiden O'Connell still put up those big numbers? I I guess maybe I'm, I see the team too much and, and, and get to know it too well, but I, I think there's plenty of good options at receiver, Allen. Yeah. There may not be a first-round pick or a second-round pick or a third-round pick, but the key, the key wideout is going to be keeping these guys healthy. It's been a battle in camp. Uh, uh, once again, Brock Thompson, you know, Rashawn Rice, Abdul Rahman Yassin, um have all been guys that have been in and out of the lineup as they come off injury from last year. Can they stay healthy? Uh, a lot of excitement, though. They keep those guys healthy. You couple in the two Iowa transfers, right? Tyrone Tracy and Charlie Jones. You got TJ Sheffield, number eight. You have a couple of nice redshirt freshmen and Preston Terrell. And, uh, and then Deion Burks. And then don't forget about two other guys who honestly, Alan, may, may, may have been the stars so far at camp, a whiteout. Colin Sullivan, who would have thought that, right? And the kid from Auburn, Elijah Canyon. So it seems like I just talked about 20 guys, doesn't it? Yeah. And those are all guys who I think can legit play and help. So uh, a lot of options there. Again, maybe maybe not any four, three, 40 guys or, like I said, first-round draft choices. But, boy, uh, I think Aiden O'Connell has, has a nice array of weapons there at his disposal wideout. Charlie Jones is one you've been talking about a fair amount, writing about certainly uh, a guy that's really an intriguing guy and a guy that really could be a missing piece to what Purdue hasn't had. Of course, the transfer from Iowa is a good, shows that he can be a, a, in the return game, can help, uh, can get away from people, wants, came here hungry to catch a lot of footballs. That's really going to be interesting that uh, not only him, but also Tyrone Tracy. These are two guys that uh, really could make a big difference uh, if they if they come to the fore and every reason to believe they will. Huge, Alan. I think your starting three wide receivers are going to be Rock Thompson, one outside slot. I think Charlie Jones is going to be the other outside receiver. And I think you'll see T.J. Sheffield in the slot with Tyrone Tracy right on his hip. I think those would be your four top receivers. That's that's assuming that Brock Thompson stays healthy. Um, right. And he's really been in and out of camp. He has he had a titanium rod put in each shin in the offseason. So it's a nice it's a nice start. You factor in um, the tight ends we talked about, and they like to throw to the running backs too. King Drew can catch the ball, and so can the kid from Central Michigan, you know, Kobe Lewis. So. Uh, Again, some, some some nice options there. And Tyrone Tracy, back to him real quick, Alan. Uh, talked about him as a receiver. Remember, he's going to – the plan is to utilize him to some degree as a ball carrier. How much every game, I'm not sure. I don't think you're going to see him carry it 10 or 12 times. But I think you're going to see Tyrone Tracy back there getting quick pitches and rounds 
uh, get him the ball in space to hand it to him to add some athletic ability and speed and maybe big playability to that running back core. Now you're going to file a story after a, you talk to Jeff Brom on Saturday, but yeah. you start to formulate what position battles. What are the what are the, what are the, some of the questions if you're holding the holding the microphone as you as you as you sit, stand right now, sit right now that you want to ask him in terms of what things you want to see in a scrimmage in terms of separation. Are there really a lot of position battles where there's a real question of who is going to play? I mean, I know we have the injuries at cornerback. Yeah. to Tryson Brown and, and that's a factor but uh, what what do you see from that standpoint what's really up for grabs I think the offense is pretty well set I talked about the receivers maybe there could be some movement there but I, I think those are probably your top four guys uh, tied in offensive line I think is set quarterback running back King Drew's going to be the running back yeah um, I need to I need to temper my enthusiasm for Kobe Lewis he still has a ways to go didn't play at all last year. Remember that he had the knee injury. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. Still, he's still a little rusty, I'm told. Um, but this is King Daru's job. Defensively, um, you know, I don't know if it really matters that much who starts on the line. I guess offensively, Alan, I'll, I'll be interested to ask Jeff Brom about the run game and the offensive line's ability to get a push there, especially if they do red zone drills, which I'm sure they will. When everybody in the stadium knows if you've got to gain one yard and you're going to run the football, and there was always moments in games in the season where you got you're in those moments. Can you do it? Yeah. So how's the line continue? Look, is it more physical? I'm eager to see that. And uh, defensively, the pass rush situation without George Karloftis, right? Yeah. Um, they know there's no Karloftis, right? But they think they've got some some guys with some potential to bring the heat. You know, remember this too, Alan. George Karloftis attracted a lot of attention, which benefited his teammates. That attention is now gone. Would Branson Dean still be as effective as he was last year? Things like that will be interesting. Now, from a bring the heat standpoint, you know, off the edge, you know, Kydron Jenkins, Scotty Humpich from, from Murray State, good-looking guy. Maybe he can be a pass rusher at the other end spot. Don't sleep on Jack Sullivan, the fifth-year senior, who's better than people think. But the real guy on that side, Alan, is Corday Sidner, number 96. Um, he looks the part. Every bit of six four six five, and had a nice spring. He's had a nice camp. He could be a guy off the edge opposite the Leo, who could really uh, be a difference maker and get after quarterbacks this fall. That's going to be. Uh, uh, I've not been around many Purdue teams where you, 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 you know, the general feeling is positive about what you're going to see, but trying to see guys uh, become playmakers and be forced to be playmakers. Some of them may have not been playmakers because they haven't had to, they've had other, you know, the big, the David Bells and the George Karloftis is in front of them. So that will be an interesting thing to watch develop uh, as, as time goes on. Anything else that jumps out at you as terms of uh, what, you, what we might see over the next couple of weeks as Purdue gets ready for Penn state. Um, yeah, you talked about the defensive backs a little bit. I mean, again, uh, I'm not sure how much we're going to really see the number one unit in the back end in this scrimmage on Saturday. I think they're still going to take it easy with Corey Trice and Jamari Brown. Um, the idea, I think, is just to try to get those guys a couple weeks of practice here at the very end leading into the Penn State game. Uh, Corey Trice has still been practicing with a brace on his left knee. Uh, he's a good-looking guy, Alan. He, he yeah. may be a pro. Jamari Brown's a little slimmed up. He looks good, too. Reese Taylor from Indiana's had a great camp. 
some ways, I think he's going to probably start the opener. Um, a lot of experience down in Bloomington. He's a good athlete as well. Uh, T. Denson uh, from Kansas State, Allen. He had the double her sports hernia surgery. Uh, slow to recover. It's a, it's a tough injury, tough surgery. He may not be ready till September, but he's a guy they like at cornerback as well. So, you know, if they got those cornerbacks healthy, that's a nice group. But when will they be healthy and can they stay healthy is going to be the real key back there. And remember this too, Alan, uh, D-backs are usually only as good as the pass rush, right? Yeah. Just talked about the pass rush and well, the boiler's got to generate some heat so those guys don't have to try to cover people for too long. Yeah, I was going to say, though, of all of our years of watching Purdue football, I haven't had, if you include Brown and Trice, uh, a, a group of corners that looked the part. I mean, Purdue's got yeah. size back there. They do. You're right. It's been years where it's been 5'10", 5'11", not that those guys can't play, but you've got guys that look like look like uh, uh, Ohio State corners in terms of terms of size, at least. Yeah, you're exactly right. Corey tries six foot three. I mean, I mean, that's an NFL cornerback. And I think he probably is going to get a long look by the pros if he can have a nice year and stay healthy. Jamari Brown's at least six foot, six foot one, um, 185, 190. Reese Taylor's a little smaller. Corey Denson's or T Denson's a little bit bigger. You know, he's, he's close to six feet tall, but you're right. You got to have big guys to match up. Um, with some of those big physical wide receivers in the Big Ten, and, and they've got it. Now, it's safety. Um, you know, they're waiting on Sanusi Kane to get healthy, but uh, they've got Chris Jefferson and Cam Allen back there, uh, savvy, a savvy tandem. And uh, we haven't talked about Jalen Graham yet either. Um, <laughs> Jalen had a little bit of a scare on Tuesday, Allen. Uh, had a slight strain of his left hamstring, sort of hobbled off the field and left came back and was walking around, has not participated the last two days. No shock there. They're going to take it easy with Jalen. Not much to prove there, but he's your strong side linebacker, a guy who's probably never going to leave the field. Um, can play in the back end as a safety or can play closer to the line as a linebacker. Just a really dynamic, uh, multifunctional player who's going to be probably the best player on defense this year and all Big Ten candidates. So he's obviously the leader linebacker. I think you'll have Kieran Douglas starting in the middle and Samisi Bakasieki on the weak side. Uh, Bakasieki, Alan, this is his seventh year. Yeah. This is Kieran Douglas' sixth year. We talked to Samisi yesterday or earlier this week. He got to Purdue in 2016. Yeah. And I, said, I wrote some Brock Obama was the president. The Kozik football complex was under construction. Ross Aid Stadium didn't have lights yet. And Jeff Brom is coaching Western Kentucky. And his position coach at Purdue in 2016 was Marcus Freeman, who's yeah. now the coach at Notre Dame. And Samisi is still in West Lafayette and uh, just a real fun, enjoyable guy. And you just hope he can stay healthy and enjoy a good year. Yeah, he was a, he was a camp cash casually last year, as I yeah. recall. Put him out for the year. And and uh, that's it. So, so many great storylines. And Tom, you're doing a great job. Appreciate all you're doing to bring it, bring it to life. I know that uh, you more than most are just looking to get this thing started so we can actually talk about games and what's going on and teams and who they're going to play. Going to be an interesting year from that. So we'll be hitting that a lot more on the site as we get closer to that. Uh, uh, by the time uh, this recording hits our site, we'll be 12 is it 12 days? No, well, it's 19 days away from yeah, that. First game. So, uh, we're getting there. I can't count on the calendar either. So Tom, thanks so much. I want to thank our sponsor, the Union Club Hotel. 
And of course, we invite you to uh, to uh, not only like us, uh, subscribe to us, I should say, on YouTube, and also uh, give us a comment about uh, our programming. We appreciate that. We'll probably, in all likelihood, Brian Newbert will be back to join us, talk a little bit about recruiting and basketball as we get to uh, into later August as well for next week. So have a great week, everybody. Thanks for watching or listening. And uh, we'll look forward to uh, our next uh, edition of our Saturday conversation. It is going to be getting closer and closer to game time. Have a great week, everybody.